Welcome to the Emerging Revolutionary War podcast. Emerging Revolutionary War is a public history platform that explores all aspects of the Revolutionary War with up-and-coming historians and connects this history to the places where it occurred. We strive to make it fun and engaging for all audiences. We have a blog and website, emergingrevolutionarywar.org, where you can check out frequent blog posts and history articles by numerous historians. In addition to our blog, we are active on social media. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We host an annual symposium that takes place in Alexandria, Virginia, and we now also host Battlefield Bus Tours. We also have the Emerging Revolutionary War book series, published by Savas Beattie. To date, we have four titles out and more on the way. These books offer a brief, readable, and illustrated narrative and include self-guided tours of the battlefields. So far, we have books on Lexington and Concord, Trent and Princeton, Monmouth, and Valley Forge. Check them out wherever books are sold. We always offer speakers that can talk about a range of Revolutionary War topics, and our historians have been featured in places such as C-SPAN, American History TV, and Fox Nation documentaries. Make Emerging Revolutionary War your home for the 250th anniversary of America's independence. This show is filmed live every other week on our Facebook page, so if you'd like to watch these live and have an opportunity to engage with us, check us out every other Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on our Facebook page. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of Rev War Revelry. Uh, This is uh, Ham Alive, so we're going to be focusing on uh, talking about the the musical uh, that just recently released on Disney Plus streaming. So a lot of people who haven't had an opportunity to see this musical have heard a lot about it over the past uh, a few years, finally got a chance to see it. Um, it's also been in the news, uh, some people thinking, uh, you know, it doesn't focus on issues of race or slavery enough. So we can, we can talk about some of that as we go along. But let me go ahead and introduce uh, the, the group we got here today uh, for this happy hour. Uh, we got uh, uh, Kate uh, Egner-Gruber uh, from uh, Jamestown and Yorktown Foundation curator there. Uh, Felicia Abrams, who also works there as the on-site education manager. Um, and uh, Liz Williams uh, from uh, Gatsby's Tavern here in Alexandria, Virginia. So, uh, and all are uh, fans, we're all fans of uh, the, the play. So, you know, we could talk a little bit about it. Uh, what I want to do is basically uh, just go around uh, to everybody and kind of hear how you got introduced to Hamilton. You know, have you seen it uh, on stage? Uh, have you, uh, you know, is this the first time you've seen it recently? You know, all the words to the songs and, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, I guess I'll, I'll start off. I'll kind of t- talk about my, my quick background with the with the musical. Um, I actually uh, heard about it back in 2016 when it first came out, like on a 60 Minutes show. Uh, it looked awesome. Uh, we went online. We were actually able to get purchase tickets for the uh, original cast uh, in 2016 uh, that summer. Um, however, uh, uh, you know, my wife Lauren, she was really into it. She already got the soundtrack. Was listening to it. Uh, but then uh, she couldn't travel. She was pregnant at the time. So we had to sell those tickets, but then we immediately bought it for this following summer. Uh, so in 2017, we went up and we were able to watch. It wasn't the original cast, but we watched it in the Rogers Theater there. And it was, uh, we thought it was great. And the great part too about being in New York City, we were able to go around to all the sites that they talk about in the actual uh, 
uh, play. So uh, I'll kind of tell you about that later during the happy hour. But, uh, but ultimately, it was great. And then, yeah, and then it came out, you know, a couple weeks ago. We watched it. So far, we've only seen it once, but I have a feeling we're going to be watching it a lot more uh, over the coming weeks and months or whatever. But at first, I was kind of, I thought it was strange. I, I didn't really understand a musical about Hamilton, of course, of all founding fathers. You know, you would expect something like Washington or something like that, I would think. But uh, so I was a little iffy about it. But uh, and I'm also not a big uh, rap or hip hop uh, uh, fan and, and also not, not a huge theater fan, but, uh, you know, once uh, my wife started, you know, asking me, you know, if she wanted to go check out Kip's Bay and uh, started telling me about Charles Lee at Monmouth. And I was like, OK, I need to <laughs> obviously this is getting to a lot of people who are not interested in history. Um, and I think that it has really shown uh, that a lot of people from all sorts of different backgrounds from all across the country can relate to stuff in this musical. So ultimately, I think the musical is fantastic. I think it, it gets a lot of people interested in this era of history. And we here at Emerging Revolutionary War, that's what we're trying to do is, you know, connect people to that time period. So, you know, uh, I think this uh, this play has done a lot of that, a lot of work for that uh, already. But let's go ahead and uh, I'll turn it over to Felicia. If you want to go ahead and uh, tell us uh, your background, uh, how, when, how when you first saw it and everything else like that. So I, uh, in my introduction to Hamilton was definitely with a, a 2016 exhibit that I'm sure Kate will, will touch on a little more. Um, but talking a little about Hamilton and I heard the music and I had an intern who was playing it a lot um, at that point. So started listening to it. Um, and then last uh, year in December, when it came to Norfolk, um, we went to go, that was kind of our Christmas present to ourselves. So we wanted to go check it out and um, see what everyone was talking about. Uh, Cause we had quite a few friends who were big fans of this thing. Um, and wanted to go check it out. And, and like you said, I'll admit, um, Hamilton wasn't the first guy I would have thought of for a musical. Um, but I get it. I get the connection, uh, the relevancy that people can see in his life and, and how you can pull different pieces of it. And I appreciate that the play didn't, you know, didn't show everything. It is a musical, after all, with a lot of history in it. Um, but it doesn't show everything. Um, but it did, it did share some dirty secrets of our founding fathers, which did the, the thing that I love the most, which is humanize the people of the past instead of putting them up on the pedestals. Uh, so watched it then, worked on some, working on some teacher professional development for it now. Uh, so still kind of pulling along this Hamilton track here and how we can use pop culture in our classrooms. Uh, it's just another nice little bullet to put into that, that sort of presentation. Uh, but then watched it, you know, when it came out here on Disney Plus, and I've seen it a couple of times uh, in the past few weeks, and have tried to pull some other folks in who needed to watch it as well. Uh, so getting there, toss it on to who wants to go next? Liz, Kate, anybody? I'll t I'll take it. <clears throat> um, so um, my first introduction to Hamilton was actually through an intern as well. She uh, was telling me about this musical she was about to go see at the public theater before it went to the Rogers. And um, being a Thomas Jefferson fan that I am, uh, I totally originally poo-pooed it because it was about Hamilton. And, um, you know, I'm not going to listen to a musical about his arch enemy, whatever. <laughs> but, um, but then once I, I listened to the music and made that connection to all of those different things that you talked about of kind of opening this um, 
window to history in a different way that really engaged with people. Uh, I really, um, I really enjoyed that aspect to it. So I got totally sucked into the music and um, as did my family. So I was able to go see it in Chicago when I was there for a conference. And then when it came to the Kennedy Center a couple summers ago, the whole family went. So it was a um, really special evening with my two kids who were besides themselves that they were um, seeing this in, in live because we had been listening to music for um, a long time. Uh, and then when it came to the Kennedy Center at Gadsby's Tavern Museum, we were able to incorporate um, all of those stories with some public programming that we did at the museum. So we created a, a specialty tour, Hamilton um, Frenemies, and because uh, we have a lot of different um, connections to the Hamilton story, um, kind of the second act versus the first act of the musical. But that was really um, a popular program that we offered um, for folks to make that historic connection to what they were seeing on the stage. So um, yeah, and we're, we're, we've watched it twice so far um, since it's come out on Disney Plus. <laughs> so Kate. Yeah, so every, well, okay. I do have a confession to make and today is actually the first time that I actually watched it on Disney Plus um, and have not had a chance to see it live, which um, I, I don't know how that happened, but, um, you know, yeah, the question of like, when did you first hear about it? I am really struggling to remember a time before this musical was so ingrained in our popular culture because it's everywhere now, especially in the field that we work in. Um, I'm having a hard time remembering life before Hamilton, uh, but it must've been, as Felicia pointed out, it must've been around, um, 2015 or so, um, we... Um, at the American Revolution Museum at Yorktown started putting together our first special exhibition, which was about veterans of the American Revolution. So telling the lesser known histories of those veterans of the revolution that you think you know and following along their life story um, when they walked off the battlefields um, and into that new world created by the revolution. And so we were thinking about different veterans we wanted to showcase for that exhibit. And someone said, I think it was probably our senior director, um, who said, you know, I think I, you know, there's this musical coming out about Hamilton. You should really think about doing Alexander Hamilton. I bet that's going to be big. <laughs> so, right. Okay. I guess I should, I think I should, you know, research that a little bit more. And so, um, you know, digging down into it, we decided, um, yeah, we're going to feature Alexander Hamilton and the Marquis de Lafayette um, in this exhibit. And so that's how we really came to meet Hamilton um, and the musical. And um, I was just reading over our um, gallery content for that for that exhibit um, and we were clever enough to pull um, some song lyrics into the into the text panels as well which was a really fun way to connect with people in the gallery um, and focus on some themes that were in the um, in the play and some that weren't um, as well but I really really love it like Liz I was really apprehensive about this because I would like to talk about this later but I am a massive 1776 fan and I was a little dubious that girl that um, was a little dubious that something would come out and just be this ridiculous kind of romp through the Revolutionary War. And I just, I just didn't think it would, get, it would be successful. I thought it would kind of undermine everything that we do as historians and as, as museums um, professionals trying to tell these stories. I originally didn't look at it as a way to, um, you know, to bring awareness and visibility to lesser known histories. I just thought this would be just one more thing that we would have to deal with. You know what I mean? Um, and thankfully, it's been such, I think, such an amazing tool in our toolkit now 
as we Absolutely. do a lot of our programming and exhibitions. Um, and uh, Felicia, you mentioned that you like this humanizing aspect. Totally agree. Just every time I listen to the soundtrack and now having seen it um, on Disney Plus, I love how the musical brings the energy back into into the past. Because I think, I mean, this is this is the book. This is the. I mean, look at that. This is the book that supposedly inspired that musical, and this is a doorstop. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Can you imagine reading? <clears throat> I mean, lit, he wrote it. He read it on vacation. Can you imagine reading it on vacation? And by I just... the way, who gets to take a vacation that is six hundred and ninety pages long? That's what I want to know. But when you read this book, and I've you know read a big chunk of it, it's. I love it, but it's really difficult, I think, for history to come off the page and become more than black and white, become more than just typed scripts. And I think that that's where this musical is so successful in that you immediately get the emotion. You get the, like, the, um, the immediacy of it. You get the, the human passion and, you know, yeah, they're jumping around and they're singing and they're being silly and rapping, you know, having a rap battle. Um, so good. But but it's also you know the point of it is is that these are these are humans expressing emotion and living real lives in a really uncertain time so for that i think it's successful and i think we we really owe um a debt of gratitude to lynn for writing this and giving us again just another great tool in our toolkit to do what we do well and i think also the like you mentioned humanizing these people i think the the choice to make the entire cast uh all african-american and all latino is uh a chance to also humanize people who you know often you just pass off as boring old dead white guys um mm -hmm. being able to tell their story and john hazel just commented uh that, uh, that, that, that the show probably saved Alexander Hamilton from being removed from the $10 bill. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. The, um, uh, the Alexander Hamilton um, Appreciation uh, Association uh, did a huge campaign, Hamilton, um, to keep him on the, on the dollar bill and raised, so with the musical, raised so much awareness of Hamilton's life and, and why you know, why would you remove the Secretary of Treasury from an actual <laughs> piece of currency? Why would you do that? Well, I think it goes just to show you, like, yeah, how, you know, little people knew about him. And I think that this uh, musical definitely has brought out and shown people, you know, his contributions and kind of what he did. The interpretation is interesting because, uh, you know, as uh, Liz was saying, how she's a fan of Jefferson, I think generally... Uh, the interpretation on Hamilton for for much of history has been pretty negative. Uh, you know, he's kind of viewed as this. Uh, you know, I I think Abigail Adams said. Uh, you know, there's a, another Bonaparte in him, like this uh, desire to be some sort of Napoleon or some sort of uh, uh, dictator in some sense, uh, always kind of sneaking around behind Washington, this kind of thing. And you kind of see that also as recently as in the John Adams miniseries in 2008, Hamilton's kind of portrayed in this uh, fairly negative light. Um, so it's just interesting to try and how the interpretation in this play kind of goes to try and make him out to be the hero, um, which, uh, you know. With flaws though. I mean, that's the, yeah. the thing I love about um, this this musical and how they treat Hamilton and, you know, many respects, the other, you know, um, founders in this, this piece is he was, no one was perfect. And he was, you know, 
the the Reynolds pamphlet scene was just mind blowing to me. But it it was a perfect example of he was not um, he was human and he was not hero ish because there's all this other side to him. So um, and how artistically they presented that is is really something that uh, is is special to see in this because you know this is at its core a, a interpretation an art an art piece of this book and um, how Lynn was able to take these words off a page and create this um, musical that resonated with so many people is really a, a special skill. <laughs> well, we, we talk about it as an art piece and I was listening to something with um, Dr. Joan Freeman the other day and she was saying the, the thing that she's having to do with her students now is put the brakes on Hamilton. You know, he's not as great as the musical makes him seem, guys. So just hold up. Let's let's really dig down and start looking at these things. And I think that's it's a really interesting flip on the phenomenon of, you know, who is this guy? Okay, he's the guy on the ten dollar bill and he died in a duel. Great. To oh, he's all of these things, but is he really all of these things? Um, and where's that artistic license line to where the historical facts? Uh, so that was that was one of those comments that she made in an, an offhanded drinking with historians uh, piece I was watching, um, where she's she's uh, talking about how you know now's the the really good time, and that's one thing that Lin Manuel Miranda has said too that this is that hook, this is that hook for pulling people in. Um, so how you know. Once we get it there, we get students to engage at a deeper level. We get people to engage at a deeper level in this history, hopefully. Um, it's one small step at a time, um, but getting, getting to that deeper level allows us to have these conversations. Um, once, once everyone's on the same playing field here and they have a basic understanding of, of the facts or what they think are the facts, then we can do what we all do best and say, well, let's look at these sources. Let's look at these, these you know, primary documents here and really think about what's being said in them. We can do what we do best and let's complicate everything. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> we try our best to anyway. I mean, do you remember that thing you thought you knew? Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you about it now. <laughs> uh, they did get, you know, Rancher now as an advisor. And yeah. I think they really did do a lot to try and get as much accuracy as they could in it. And, you know, yes, there are, and actually, we can go around. You can tell me what your biggest uh, complaint is from a uh, historic standpoint as far as uh, any errors or in, uh, incorrect interpretations are. I'll tell you what my thing was that annoyed me was uh, obvious. One of the most important uh, campaigns, in my opinion, during the whole war was Trenton and Princeton. And Hamilton was there. He crossed the Delaware River. Uh, he was there in the battle and stuff. But they completely uh, go right over it during the uh, uh, during the musical. So I would have preferred if they had included a crossing the Delaware reference or something in there. But uh, you know, uh, uh, and we could talk too about you know um, the role of slavery and, and, and you know if uh, they don't focus on that as much as they should. Um, but like Lynn uh, Manuel Miranda's uh, tweet, he said up to all this criticism, recent criticism was. Uh, you know, basically, he you know, time constraints and trying to tell this, you know, how do you Absolutely. everything to the doorstop of a book? And I do like that he tries to fit as much too with you know, that's you know, using rap uh, to try and get as many words in as you can to tell this story. My cocktail for reference. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, 
so, so, so yeah, there's like I said, like I would have loved a crossing the Delaware reference, uh, but uh, but you know it, they can't fit that. You can't fit in every everything everybody wants to see. So, nope. uh, but what, 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 so what do you think? Do you guys have any like certain? Yeah, what do you think, Kate? <laughs> I have two, and they're they're I can they're small. So I realize why I realize why Hercules Mulligan has to be a critical part of this. He's Hamilton's first friend in New York City. I get that. But then why make him out to be so, I, what, what gets me is, is that for everything that Hercules Mulligan does do for Washington and, you know, espionage during the revolution, why not actually talk about Cato? Agreed. Who, you know, so who was, um, you know, so Hercules Mulligan is a um, Irish born tailor. Um, working in New York City, uh, making all of the, um, you know, uniforms and everything for um, for the the British officers who are in, in New York for all of the the you know upper class gentry loyalists, and so that's how he's able to get a lot of information and infiltrate um, a lot of people's um, or get a lot of information and then give it back to to Washington and that network. But um, but it's actually his slave Cato who is the one actually passing these messages back and forth. And so, so yeah, Hercules Mulligan is doing a lot of the talking, but it's Cato who's actually, who's actually the, um, that go-between. He's doing the real hard work of secreting these messages back and forth. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to tell a more complete story um, of, of how African-Americans, of how people who are enslaved really did impact the war in a really big way, tell the story of Cato. Just do it. You don't have Hercules Mulligan jump out during <laughs> and, and say, hey, I'm the spy on the inside. It's like, no, you're actually taking measurements of a guy. Um, and then it's actually Cato who's on the inside um, using his using the fact that he's African-American is kind of this plausible deniability, for, you know, to have that um, that movement between, um, you know, between the British and American lines. So that's thing the first. Do I remember thing the second thing the second? Why does everybody think that the siege of Yorktown is Marquis de Lafayette's brainchild? It's not. It's Rochambeau. <laughs> and why? Why? Just, we can end this war at Yorktown. Yes, said Rochambeau. <laughs> Those are my two. I, I yield my, I yield the floor. <laughs> so good. What do you guys think? You guys got any other? Any? Yes, so, you know, Cato is definitely one of them. I did, did a little bit of time reading up on him today. Uh, but mine is Angelica Schuyler Church, um, who all the women in this yeah. play apparently are in love with Hamilton, and that's their only <laughs> contribution to anything during this time period. Can we come back to that after yes. like, grievances round one? Can we come back? <laughs> <laughs> we can just continue on grievances round one for here. <laughs> the airing of the grievances. <laughs> We'll get through all the different pieces here. Uh, but Angelica, she's she's married. She has kids. She's doing her own thing. She's friends with Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson. There are letters back and forth between influential people and her during this whole time period. She's over in you know, England and ever in Europe for years without ever coming back. Um, so this, this whole idea that Oh, these women are just there to support him in a romantic role. There's so much more than that. Come on. 
grievance round one. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. I, I think that. Uh, uh, but for all these grievances, and I think yeah, we could continue on and nitpick all these little things we want to that are incorrect or kind of give the wrong impression. But I mean, to be honest, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff I learned uh, for the first time watching the musical. Um, you know, things like uh, his son uh, dying of a duel, uh, which is pretty, uh, amazing that I know. Uh, same pistols. Y yes, same pistols. And those pistols, speaking of exhibits. The same place. And the same place. Yeah, yeah. you know, everything's legal in New Jersey. <laughs> It, just not everything is punishable by death in New Jersey. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, Same difference. But, but the fact that, you know, learning that, you know, me and Rob were talking uh, uh, not that long ago about, you know, the fact that uh, Henry Lawrence or uh, John Lawrence and uh, Charles Lee had a duel. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, things are like things that, uh, you know, are part of the historic record, but, you know, for whatever reason, you know, you don't read a lot about them. Uh, so I thought that that kind of stuff, and then you go back and you look and it's like, oh, wow, like, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty amazing. And, and the fact that they're able to include those things and don't give such a warped view of some of these things, I think is uh, helpful in the long run. So. Well, last but, Sunday, uh, but yeah, no, uh, if, if you, well, um, just, thinking about nitpicking and the grievances of things that are like the creative license of the musical last Sunday night, the, if on Twitter, there's a whole group of um, tweeters uh, that tweet every Sunday night about movies. Mm -hmm. So it's um, historians at the movies. So hashtag mm -hmm. H A T M and uh, Hamilton was last Sunday's movie. And um, Joanne tweeted all night long throughout the musical about things that they got, eh, not quite right or things that um, she wanted to correct or um, um, just historical tidbits along the way, which I found really helpful because it, it helped frame some of the things that were in the musical that is, they're really great lines, but then she tweeted back, well, that's not necessarily the case. Here's the true story. So um, that was, that was really helpful to me. And there was this huge, you know, following on Twitter Sunday night, just to see all of that, um, that content, and that information. So uh, the, the, the historical narrative alongside the musical for me is really helpful. And that's our jobs as public historians to say, okay, I know you really love this, the Angelica Hamilton, like love fest that might be happening, but here's the real fact to it. And then, you know, it broadens the perspective. So um, it's it's always fun and I torture my kids all the time when we see things like this on TV and I'm like well let's go see if that actually happened and then we we hunt down information. What's your favorite tidbit that you learned from from the tweet storm last week? The Tomcat um, the Tomcat um, story was um, uh, her tweet on that was really funny nope. <laughs> Yeah. Well, but the funny thing about that is, is that um, the way that he that he does the aside within the musical and he says, you know, like he breaks the fourth wall and he's like, that's I know, true. That's true. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> <Did you know? laughs> the one time. So you're walking into it. You're just walking. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I was following that too, Liz. And my favorite one going back to Angelica was where she's like, let's talk about the comma. And the comma yeah. was actually yes. a letter from Angelica oh, yeah. to Hamilton and Hamilton asked her about it and Angelica yeah. shuts that down real fast. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I did. I love the little back and forth that Joanne and a few other people mentioned about the the comma. The comma. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, who's who's everybody's uh, favorite uh, character in the play? And I'll I'll go ahead and tell you. I'll, I'll do this just so uh, Rob is happy. Rob, uh, who, who watched the show the first time, if Joe hasn't seen it, so I'm calling them both out that they need to get on, get on board here. But uh, Rob said he liked the uh, King George the Third character the best, uh, which he is uh, probably I would say the funniest part of the the show. And I think we were just talking beforehand that yeah. During the whole two hours and 40 minutes, he's only on screen, what, nine minutes, something like that. Nine minutes, yep. Very small role, but obviously had like a very big uh, impact on people's viewing of it. But I thought it was interesting, too, how they just kind of, uh, you know, turn him into this caricature of, uh, you know, just straight up uh, evilness. Uh, so it just kind of makes it just very black and white uh, during the whole uh, uh, which is interesting because it's obviously much more complicated than that, but it's still entertaining. So, <laughs> does anybody else have a favorite character? I think mine is also probably well. I like. I really like how I like the comic relief of King George, and I like his portrayal. Even though I, I disagree with the accuracy of, you know, I mean. The guy was like, I mean, when when he finds out about, you know, Cornwallis surrendering at Yorktown, he's like, so keep going. I mean, (laughs) we haven't lost anything yet, you know? Um, So anyway, but um, but Eliza is just, for the first act, I was really frustrated at Eliza's portrayal. And then just the last three minutes of the whole thing everything clicks and I'm like, oh, actually, I think this has all been about you this whole time. So it's Eliza Schuyler, hands down. Yeah, I would have to agree, but she's the one who tells the story. Yeah. She's the one who's responsible for, you know, preserving all of the papers and all the, um, she had 50 years after he died to do all of these amazing things with her life in trying to one preserve his legacy, but two keep moving forward. Um, so yeah, no, I love Eliza. Um, as an aside, you know, not a not a character, but uh, we were talking about it earlier. David Diggs, absolutely amazing. Love him as Lafayette and Jefferson. Um, and it's it's interesting how different he plays both of those people. Uh, that they're very. It's very clear that they're their own individual characters in this. I agree. Well, as a singer, um, I I can't not just be uh, and a George. I work at so many George Washington sites over the course of my lifetime. Um, Christopher Jackson just singing as George Washington every time he steps on the stage is um, I just turn into this big pile of mush when I hear him and his um you know when he's the his last song where you know Washington's going home or you know mm-hmm. I just I I cry pretty much every time I see that just because um I I feel it when he's singing it and and how exhausted Washington was at that point and he's like I'm out I'm I'm not doing this anymore I'm going home and um, the way he sings it is just really um, strikes me. The other character I love, and you'll have to watch it a second time, 
because um, sometimes you don't necessarily see it the first time is the bullet the uh, um, ensemble dancer the bullet yes, yes. Um, you watch her and I you know each time I've watched it I see um, her at different aspects of um, scenes as the harbinger of death mm-hmm. and how they were able to create this um, this character in the musical to to move the story along a little bit or just you know sprinkle in some uh really choreographed magic is uh really special to see on screen uh you mentioned george washington i liked him as well i thought i really liked the, the portrayal of him but and this is another thing another good question favorite songs and i was gonna say when i was originally thinking about talking about this that song, yeah, to me is uh, teach them how to say goodbye. Because uh, ultimately, in my opinion, I think that's Washington's greatest contribution is giving up power, and they they really kind of nail that in the musical as far as showing, uh, you know, the importance of that. And then you see people like Hamilton and everybody else saying, you know, what you know, we need you to keep staying, and him saying, no, I need to 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 go home. So I thought that was uh, that was probably that's probably my one of my favorite songs uh the washington farewell is definitely my favorite and my my favorite way that they use primary sources because the whole (laughs) you know the whole speech at the end that if you run down washington's farewell to the very bottom of it to the last like two paragraphs it's just pulled straight out of the document um which really is goes back to that you know testament to try and keep some of these historical aspects as as true to the sources as possible yeah, I think I think they could have done. You know, you mentioned yeah, we we could have a lot more work uh, to do yeah. uh, based on how uh, off script they wanted to go. So it's kind of nice that they did try to yeah, keep some of this stuff uh, accurate throughout. Uh, one of the things I think is also really cool is uh, when he was writing this. Uh, I you know, I think uh, place was really important to him because I think he does go to. And at the end of the credits, they, they thank some of the places where mm-hmm. it included, you know, I saw more Jumel Mansion up in New York mm-hmm. at uh, uh, Hamilton Grange, which is a National Park Service site, Tudor Place here in D.C., which had connections with Eliza. So I just think that's kind of cool that, uh, you know, I think they recognize the importance of place. And they and you kind of see that throughout the play as well. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, they mention a lot of places, you know, you know, uh, she's buried here in Trinity Churchyard, you know, pointing out places, you know, here in New York, uh, I think is really kind of uh, cool that they, they they try to tie it to historic places throughout the play as well. Absolutely. Manhattan is its own character in the whole, the whole play. And I love that. Yeah. The fact that they're, they're performing these scenes really not too far away from where so many of these conversations played out whether it's, um, you know, Francis Tavern or Trinity Church. Um, it's, and, and when, Mark, you said when you went to go see it, um, you know, in New York, you were able to kind of take a, a little tour of all the places that are in the musical. Yeah, that that's, is, that's the that's best. amazing. And, and I think, I, and, you know, like one the, of the... Like the, um, I can't remember what article I was reading, but like the, the Grange when, um, when Hamilton hit uh, the stage, they had like a, 
hundred plus percent <clears throat> increase in visitation because of this musical and yeah. um you know all the articles now of like you know your hamilton experience of all the national park service sites mm -hmm. that you can go visit new york and it's just really expanded this um, tourist opportunity for people to learn more and visit these places and um, I think that's one of the the best things that's come out of this is this in, um, increased awareness and desire to see these places and you know one of my friends actually texted me after watching the musical he's like I gotta go to New York to go visit all of these things he's like go once the pandemic's over you go yeah. visit all those places I mean so Felicia and I are at James Van Yorkton Foundation and it is so, so my favorite song is obviously Yorktown, World Turns Upside Down. And I listen to it in full, you know, at full blast in my car while I'm driving down Colonial Parkway on my way to Yorktown, because why would you not do that? Yeah, of course. I mean, how lucky are we that you hear, like, there is now, not just in a musical, but just in our collective zeitgeist. Like, if you're alive, you know this musical, and that's, I think, one of the most popular songs from it. You hear two notes, mm. and then your brain goes... The Battle of Yorktown, 1781. How lucky are we that we get that, that we get to work with that? I just, I mean, that's amazing. You know, how often are we going to have like a major pop culture phenomenon help help us do what we do? <laughs> if he had just added like two more lines for the election of 1800, it would have been really great for my site. Um, I have to like text him or like you know tweet Lynn if you just needed two more lines to say you know once they were president once Jefferson became president he partied at Gatsby's Terror Museum I just needed that and then we're good maybe that's like you know round two Hamilton we'll see well, and, and uh, back when the revival. there you go that's back right. when all this came out in you know 2015 we had a, a school group in 2016 and I remember one of my educators calling me after the tour because this group of high school girls all they wanted to know about was Hamilton at Yorktown and the 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 educator had no idea why why they were so interested in this because they hadn't heard of the musical yet it was, it was still so early fantastic. it was still the, the you know beginning stages of this really starting to catch on and they had no idea why all these girls cared about was where was Hamilton that was it He was in our museum. You should come check it out. He was. We 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 uh you know we took him to the panels that were there and we took him to the siege film and that was great. That's all they needed. Yeah, but yeah, the so sense of place I guess is wrapped up in that too, and that you know we really do get to sort of see this really cool artistic rendering of the siege of Yorktown through. Um, you know, the storming of the two readouts and um, that kind of helps play in your mind's eye when you go to those actual sites, I think, um, even though they're, you know, devoid of real content, but, you know, it still helps you, like I said earlier, kind of get into that mindset of um, there was energy at this place, you know, something real happened here. And if you can't, like, I'm not great at going to battlefields and envisioning action and people, and I read about it, and I write about it, and I talk about it, but it doesn't really make it that way up here for me. And so I think that's another really great benefit of Hamilton is that you can go to like, um, you know, the actual battlefield, the two readouts, and you can almost kind of play that scene out in your head and and at least just be reminded that, that there was that raw energy in this place. Something real happened here. And I think that can be a difficult barrier um, to break down sometimes. So that's 
again, just another reason why we're happy, you know, we're, or why I'm happy to have this musical um, so, so highly popularized. Um, and I'm sure like Liz too, where you work, even though we didn't quite get to, so to Gatsby, but you, but you still have so, you still have so much of that energy at your site and can play off of, you know, time to take a shot, which I know you guys have. Oh, our whole um, specialty tour has, has the lyrics throughout the, throughout the tour. And the fact that all of these main characters that you see on the stage all were, in our space mm -hmm. in one way or another minus Hamilton but um, you know we had Lafayette we had Madison we had Jefferson we had G-dubs so it's it's the again that connection and 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 we can um, in a way uh, tell that story like they've seen on the stage because they're they've been humanized they're drinking they're you know slapping each other's back about you know finding a lady um, we tell that story in some respects in our tavern space because, you know, George Washington had his birthday party in our, our ballroom. So we, it's those human connections that um, we can easily make that builds those synapses in the brain and um, um, gets people interested in, in learning more and diving deeper into these things, mm -hmm. um, which is what I, why I love the musical so much because it, it, makes people think a little bit more wants you know really inspires people to learn more and to go visit yorktown and to you know dive into our collection and ask questions and um see things for themselves be in the room where it happened that's right that's how i, I, I call the ballroom it is the room where it happens like all the time <laughs> bar, uh, when we toured around new york city there's a great little pamphlet too i think you can get uh that has you know, driving toward uh, many different locations, like Francis's Tavern. Uh, they also had um, uh, the actual, this, from the song, The Room Where It Happened, although that the building is no longer there, there's Jefferson's residence, there's a, a plaque on there denoting the, the location. Um, but I would say one of the coolest locations that we went to, of course, was uh, Weehawken uh, and the site of the school, um, which actually uh, today is the anniversary of uh, when Alexander Hamilton actually should we should we take a shot <laughs> don't throw away your shots <laughs> raise the glass to freedom uh <laughs> how many references can we get here? something you never take away <laughs> i love uh i love double entendres throughout the entire all the different lyrics uh things like that not throwing away your shot of course is the beginning he's talking about not throwing away the shot to do something with his life and then of course later that morphs into not throwing away his actual pistol shot all these kinds of little things like that throughout if you study all the lyrics really closely it's kind of interesting how many double entendres uh, all these sayings have um but yeah no but you go to weehawken today you have this awesome view of uh you know modern new york city uh and they have a flagpole and a bust of hamilton there and the stone that they say he laid his head on after he was shot um yeah, I don't know if that's true or not, but still kind of cool to be uh, there. The <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I think there's a lot of uh, myth and everything that has kind of been infused into that whole story. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's kind of neat to see uh, the play kind of delve into some of that as well. So. 
Um, but yeah, no, yes. And uh, we also got a comment here from John Resto about how the actual site is actually yeah, lower down uh, on the flats or whatever there. Um, but yeah, the, the monument's up on, on the top of the hill there, so. Um, we also had a question, that, you know, we, we mentioned a little bit. So what do you all think about the, uh, um, you know, do, do you think that uh, we mentioned nitpickings and things like that? Do we think that there should have been, uh, you know, these these recent claims that, you know, slavery was uh, avoided throughout? Do you think that it, uh, it was just, a, again, a matter of uh, space and time to be able to fit that in? Or do you think uh, those those criticisms are warranted or do you think, uh, you know, that's fodder for another play at some point in the future, as Kate was talking about Cato, to, you know, should there be another musical made to tell some of these, obviously hundreds of more stories. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, all right. I think, yes. Um, I think that there's so much language, there's so much talk, I mean, especially about John Lawrence and all of the comments about, you know, we'll never be, we'll never be free unless we end slavery. Um, this, I just feel like some of these are, there's, and there's a lot of that language about, um, you know, King George um, enslaving a population, not setting people free. There's a lot of this language that kind of flows through um, the first act. And I just feel like then it's all thrown away. Um, you know, we we see John Lawrence as a major character in the first act, and and again, all of these references to him wanting to to raise a whole regiment of African Americans, but we never really talk. We don't come back to that to the fact that he really tries to do it. No one lets him do it. I mean, that just fail, falls flat in South Carolina. Nobody wants that to happen. And so I think that they're they could have done a better job of if you're going to introduce that, don't throw it away. You know, at least come back to it and maybe introduce that little complication um, into the narrative a little bit. Um, but you know, I think I love Hamilton, but at the end of the day, for all the good it does, it is still another white founding father story. Um, and I'm not saying that there's not value in Hamilton. Obviously, we all we've just been talking about how much value there is in using it as a teaching tool or, you know, getting people more excited, that kind of open door into more complicated issues, which is ones that, you know, these are conversations we're happy to have when people visit our sites. Um, but, but I do think, I mean, again, Cato was there too. I mean, there are a lot of other people in the rooms where things happen and to, mm -hmm. to kind of keep it so isolated on these central stories, you're already taking a lot of liberties with anyway. I think that does a that at the end of the day does do a disservice to more narratives that we still don't recognize as important. We don't recognize Hamilton as much as people think that we should. Obviously, Cherno did a great job of of trying to uh, redirect conversations about that. Obviously, Lin Manuel helped with that. Um, but at the end of the day, it is another another founding father treatment where there's so much more room for so many other stories to better complete our understanding of the era. Well, and I think it, it, to continue on to that, um, you know, Hamilton isn't an abolitionist. Um, and it mentions that in one of the songs at the very beginning, he's a, what the abolitionist manumissionist. Um, he does found the manumission society in New York, 
but he writes 27 volumes of things and in no sustained way does he talk about anti-slavery and in fact the Schuylers are slaveholders um, and he's he's the lawyer so he's the one who's helping with you know the purchase of people and that that's followed you can track that in the sources so I think that you know when when this is being published and, and how we're looking at it um, people were looking to the founding fathers for someone who was on the right side what we perceive now is you know the right side of that history and since we don't know as much or didn't know as much about Hamilton, there's a whole new renewed interest in him now. Um, he was a handy person to kind of pin some of these things on. Um, and it helped because you could find, you know, one or two references here or there. He supported Lawrence in his attempt to raise a, raise a regiment, um, but he's not writing pamphlets against slavery with him. So it's, it's, it just complicates it like we said it's what we do in public history here let me let me show you what you have and let me complicate it a little bit for you uh so that's that's definitely what what we're doing here is complicating this hamilton was a man of his time um he bought into this and kate to get you around to 1776 this is that same debate that they're having there with the declaration mm-hmm. um so it's it's not going away and it's hard to portray so it's I don't know. It's a balancing act of what do you, what do you do and what do you allow the historians to come in and talk about and say, Hey, this is great, but let's talk about what was missed here. And I think part of this was, you know, the, um, I know there were songs and, and language that Lynn cut because it was so long and, you Mm -hmm. know, maybe that was something that ended up on the chopping block, but I must say nothing can come close to, um, you know, we can have a whole, conversation about this is molasses to rum to slaves out of 1776 um as a powerful song to convey um this so um maybe we can like do some creative editing of hamilton and then we'll slice in some 1776 things and then we'll have like you know a, a longer but um maybe more complete um look at things but um I mean, it's, again, I, I come back to, it's an artistic representation of a story. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, we as public historians have to fill in those, those blanks for people. And, um, and it, if he had included all of these things, we probably would still be watching the first version of Hamilton. Now we wouldn't be talking with each other. So, um, but it, it allows space for us to fill in those blanks in a way. So um, thanks, Lynn, for not filling all the stuff, <laughs> for including everything. Yeah. Now they have to come and talk to us and we can um, give them the broader picture. Well, and there was a third cabinet battle piece yes. that was all about slavery. Right. Um, so that was exactly. one, of those, one of those pieces that was on the chopping block there when, when you had to decide what, what was cut and what was kept. Yep. Um, yeah. No, and I think I think the the musical sums it up too very good at the end. Uh, you know, who lives, who dies, who tells your story. So I think that's uh, something we're all very much engaged with. Is yeah, tra- just telling people's stories. So ultimately, you know, like we all said, I think I think the musical is uh, uh, really entertaining. I think it's great. I think it's getting a lot of people interested in the era and hopefully want to come out and see some of the different sites. But any uh, final thoughts uh, on the musical or anything else like that? 
I'd love to see if there's an increase in um, college students majoring in history because of this um, phenomenon in their formative years. So that'll be a thesis for somebody in the yeah, see, well, years from now. You mentioned, you know, some of these sites seeing large uh, increases of uh, visitors directly responsible for it. But yeah, how many people are going to want to study it more because of that would be great now. But My kind of parting shot there is that it shows that <laughs> this whole revolution was messy. Yep. It wasn't, they weren't destined to win. They weren't destined to write the Constitution. It, it was messy. It was hard. Um, it, it's not as clean cut as people like to see it. Um, and that's, that's a great piece to, again, get people talking about. That's a great point, Felicia, because that, you know, the very first moments of the musical, I mean, if you don't already know that Burr shot Hamilton, you know, in the first five minutes at the end of the first song, you know, he's going to get shot at some point. Yes. Um, so that giveaway at the very beginning kind of solves a lot of mysteries or at least shows you where this is going to go and to your point Felicia you know the the American Revolution was not a predetermined win for you know for the the, the patriots and so remembering exactly right that we they didn't have that that five minute musical number in 1775 to be like oh wait there's a you know there's no song about the Treaty of Paris that they have to look <laughs> forward to like resolving at the end of all this um so yeah you're you're right just exposing those complications and um and back to your original point about just the humanity of it all is yeah again uh, a gift to us to unpack for people which is great especially as we move into the anniversary and we get to the 250th this yeah. is um foundational things to build upon as we reach that point yeah absolutely going to be yeah well it'll be interesting to see yeah how this impacts yeah our understanding and view of the 250th anniversary so all right well we're uh, gonna go ahead and sign off for tonight uh but thank you to felicia kate and liz liz i think your video got frozen a little bit but uh, <laughs> uh we'll sure you say goodbye there as well but thank you all for joining us tonight we'll be back again next weekend uh next sunday night so on behalf of Emerging Revolutionary War, thank you all for tuning in. <laughs>